How Santa Claus Came by William O. Stoddard. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Now, Don, said Radburnell, dolefully, do you believe any kind of a snowstorm could stop Santa Claus from coming? Well, yes that's it i heard father tell mother he couldn't get here in time and i know he meant something about christmas by the way he looked at pettish and molly was berry there she was sound asleep in the cradle and mother said berry won't care but it'll be at this point for the rest of em it's an awful snowstorm rad but i guess santa claus'll come for all of that just a little later Mr. Burnell said to his wife, I'm sorry we didn't get our things in the village, Maria, but it's too late now. Don't say anything to the children. It'll be bad enough when it comes. Nobody else heard him, but Mrs. Burnell looked as if she wanted to cry. That was one of the whitest nights anybody in the world ever saw, for the snow had thrown the thickest kind of a white blanket over everything some of the roads were drifted level from fence to fence and the railroads were having a tremendous time of it anything so black as a locomotive could hardly feel at home pushing its way along through so white a country or into so white a village as middleville was that christmas eve it was a dreadfully long night and pettish woke up three times and tried to make herself believe it was morning the last time she heard the great clock in the academy steeple on the village green pounding away at its task of telling what time it was i'll count said pettish nine twelve seven fourteen fifteen six i guess it's most time to get up must be it's christmas now just then she heard a noise in the next room and she listened with all her ears first it was a rustle and then the loudest kind of a whisper loud enough to have been heard in daytime rad rad it's just struck five let's take a scoot downstairs and see about it we can hurry right back again they're pulling on their stockings said pettish i'll get up and pull on mine but i won't let them see me she tried very hard to get up without waking Molly, but it was of no use, for Molly's sleep had been begun at the right time, and was fairly over now, considering that it was Christmas morning. Oh, Pettish, what are you going to do? Shh, shh, Molly, the boys are going downstairs to look, and I'm going too. Lie still. But Molly was two years older than Pettish, and she wouldn't lie still she was out on the floor in a twinkling and she made pettish wrap herself all up in a blanket and she pretty nearly buried her own chubby shape in a comfortable that was about what rad and don had done already and they were now carefully creeping downstairs in the dark the door of the front parlour was nearest the foot of the stairs and the boys left it open after them when they went in but Molly and Pettish closed it very softly and carefully the moment they were safe in the dim, gloomy parlour. The boys were just beyond the folding doors at that moment, 
and did not see that they were followed. Berry was sound asleep in her crib, within reach of her mother, or she would have heard her say just then, Oh, John, it's a dreadful disappointment. What will those poor children do? Poor pettish, said Mr. Burnell. We can explain it to the boys, and they can wait, and to Molly, but it'll be bad enough for any of them. But pettish will break her little heart if she finds that Santa Claus hasn't come. It'll be almost as much of a disappointment to Aunt Sally and Frank. I hope they'll bring Mid with them when they come. Of course they will. Now that had been a very long, white, beautiful, dark night, and a great many queer things had happened in it. They are sure to, in any night before Christmas, but there had been a wonderfully deep snowstorm. Away on toward morning, just when the academy clock was trying to make sound asleep people hear that it was really four, a tired-out and frosty-looking railway train came smoking and coughing up to the platform at the village railway station. It did not stop long, but some people got out of one of the sleeping cars, and some baggage was tumbled out of the baggage car, and a sleepy man with a lantern said, Yes, sir, carriage you in a minute, sir. All right. We don't want any carriage, my man. Take our checks, and have our trunks brought over to Mr. Burnett's before seven o'clock. We'll walk right there now. Come, Sally, come along, Mid. Frank, husband, you'll drop some of those things. No, I won't, Sally. Mid, my dear boy, look out for that box. It's only pasteboard. I'll be careful, mother. I ain't awake yet. But it takes all three of us to Santa Claus this pile. Hope it isn't far. The cold, frosty air was fast getting mid wide awake, and they did look, all three of them, as if they would have done better with a sleigh and a good team of reindeer. The distance was short, but Aunt Sally talked pretty nearly all the way. We must do it, Frank, she said, as they drew near the gate. I'm sure they've given us up. We can get in. There never was any bolt on the kitchen window, over the pump. Middleton can climb right in, and come and open the side door for us. Oh, but won't that be fun, exclaimed Mid, as he hurried silently forward. Shh, there, Sally, whispered Uncle Frank, as he and his portly, merry-faced wife lugged their bundles after Mid. It was less than half a minute before they were in the kitchen, they promptly shut the door between the dining-room, that was the sitting-room too, and the back parlour, and then how they did work. Plenty of wood and shavings and kindlings were lying in front of the great Franklin stove in the dining-room, and there was quickly a blazing fire there, and in the kitchen too, and Mid insisted on lighting every lamp and candle he could lay his hands on. Then the bundles came open, and their contents began to shine all around the chimney and over the mantel, and even on some of the chairs. It's too bad we haven't any of their stockings, began Aunt Sally, but she exclaimed the next instant, Oh, Frank, here's Maria's work basket, all full of stockings. I know them, those are Don's, there's a pair of Rad's, Molly's, Pettish. Berries, 
the dear little kitten. We've got em. Mother, let's set the table. That's it. You help him do it, father. Won't we give em a surprise? It was wonderful how those three did work, and not make any noise about it, and how they did change the looks of that dining room and kitchen before five o'clock. Aunt Sally even put on the tea kettle, and made some coffee, and it was evident that for once Santa Claus was disposed to be very much at home. If they had not been drinking their coffee, perhaps they might have heard a voice, not many minutes after five o'clock, whispering anxiously to somebody in the back parlour, I say, there's a light coming through the keyhole. There's a rattle too in there. Burglars? Pooh, no, it's Christmas. Oh, boys, is Santa Claus really in there? Has he got here? Is that you, Pettish? And Molly too? Keep still. I'm just going to open the door a little mite of a crack, but you can all peek in. Aunt Sally's ears must have been good ones, for, carefully as Don opened that door, and faint as was the squeak it made, she sprang suddenly toward it. Is that you, Maria? Hush! Don't make a sound. Not a loud noise for anything. We won't, Aunt Sally. Hush! Even Pettish did just as she was told for once, for she was a little scared when the great blaze of light came shining through the door as Aunt Sally pushed it wide open. It was shut again the moment they were all in the room, and then it was all Aunt Sally and Uncle Frank could do to keep up any kind of silence in that merry assembly. They could not have done it at all if Aunt Sally had not told them all. It's a great secret. You must help us give Papa and Mamma a big surprise. Now, let's get breakfast for them. Biddy went away yesterday morning, said Molly, but I know where the eggs are. Whatever she and Pettish could not find, Don and Rad could, and Aunt Sally was the best kind of a cook. It was nearly six o'clock when Mrs. Burnell said to her husband, I'm glad Berry waked up. She's all dressed now, and I can wrap her up warm. So am I, my dear. I'll go right down with you. Those poor children, I haven't the heart to look at them. Let's hurry down. So they did, and Berry went down in her mother's arms, but they little dreamed what was coming. A great shout welcomed them as they opened the door of the dining room. Wish you a Merry Christmas! Oh, Sally! Frank! I am so glad! But how did you get in? Breakfast's ready. Christmas has come. Nobody could have described that next half hour to have saved his life, and Aunt Sally said she had never been so happy in all hers. Molly, said Pettish, won't you go upstairs and bring down all our clothes? Yes, children, said their mother. You must get dressed. Yes, and, mother, said Pettish. There was only two pairs of my stockings in the basket, and they're both full. If Molly'll bring the pair I had on, there's more than enough to fill em. So there was, for Aunt Sally had not only bought and brought everything Mr. and Mrs. Burnell had written to her about, but she had heaped on a huge assortment of presents on her own account, and Pettish had at least her share, 
while uncle frank had looked out for molly and nobody had forgotten berry or any of the boys it was quite the usual time when they got ready to eat at last but there was nothing of what rad and pettish called a dispoint in any face at that breakfast-table santa claus had come End of how santa claus came by william o stoddard